All right, this episode of The Minifan Show is with Dave Brown. He's a freelance beat reporter whose work appears in the Concord Monitor, covers the Patriots, puts out a lot of good content with them, a lot of great satire pieces, really interesting guy, really good writer. You can follow him on Twitter at that Dave Brown. It's a pretty interesting podcast. It's a little bit different. We had a nice fight about the Boston racism argument, especially in light of the recent uh, Celtics scandal that was going on at the TD Garden. We also talked about BJBSJ, his altercations with Belichick over the years, and all sorts of interesting content. So we do hope you guys enjoy it. Again, it's a little bit different. My apologize for the sports talk. Part of blindsidepods.com. Welcome to a super fan roundtable on the week's events in the world of Kirk Menahan. This is the Menafan Show. Hey, it's the Menafan Show. It's DEC, it's MHB. And it's Dave Brown. He is a freelance writer, and he does the Patriots beat as a freelance writer for the Concord Monitor. We're going to stir it up with a whole bunch of stuff. Dave Brown, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing? Awesome. We're good, man. So we want to we want to talk a, a bunch of stuff. Patriots, uh, the fact that you're a lawyer, which is fascinating as hell to me, and this uh, little online group who uh, shows up every once I, I, in a while. I feel like but. we've got to get this out of the way at the beginning yeah first of all i I think we should just say wait go ahead wait before we go any further can i just ask a few questions yeah sure okay what is the show what is the show see he's he's already this guy's coming on our podcast he's already hijacking what's going on here like it okay i wasn't prepared for you fuck you So, so this show was originally the inception of this show uh, back when DEC pitched it to me uh, was that it would be a super fan roundtable akin to kind of what um, what they do with the Stern show. Um, it's like a wrap up show, uh, but mm-hmm. because of so is, is Natalie Maines from the Dixie Chicks going to be coming on? Well, see, I don't know about that. I don't know if we're going to like okay. dancing what? with Ellen and things like that and all the other you know, bullshit <laughs> that Stern <laughs> does. Jordan, <laughs> No, but so that's it. Is Jeff Probst going to be here during this hour? No, I don't think so. But but okay. we we uh, we found a guy that is a little bit like Stuttering John, this guy Mark Moroso Jr. And he's uh-huh. and uh, I think that I think that he's going to be a part of this whole universe here. So that's originally the idea. Uh, I wasn't aware of that, but okay, that was initially the idea, and then it's kind of morphed into something beyond that, where it's kind of like we're just trying to do a podcast that we like based on stuff that we're interested in like sometimes we won't like so there's some weeks where it's like it might be peripherally involved with Menahan, but it doesn't really have anything to do with anything he is doing so it really depends like sometimes we'll do a, re- a recap and reaction show sometimes we'll do something totally different something totally unrelated so it really depends part of the problem is that Menahan was supposed to be doing a show by now and we were going to kind of kill time and now we're in april and he's not doing a show and it kind of left us with, what the hell are we going to do here? So we got really broad with the Menahan universe of free speech and making sure people are heard and controversial stuff along that line just to kind of kill time. Yeah. And it's evolved. Content is king. That's right. Got to get, sh- yeah. get a show out, right? I have a question about this. Kirk's show. Mm-hmm. This show, he used to be on WEI. And now he's supposed to do a show for... Is it Entercom? Radio.com. For radio, is Entercom a company that owns this whole yes, thing? Yes, it okay. is. So he's going to do the show for Radio.com, but he does a show. It, it, it's going to be, wait, wait, sorry. It's going to be, he has, the show that he was supposed to do for Radio 1 would be a podcast. 
Is that correct? No. So what? So what he's doing for radio? So right now he has enough about me. Eventually uh-huh. he's going to be. Why isn't that the show? Well, because it's going to be a live show. It's going to be a two two to three hours live, and maybe an hour release later, delayed in a podcast form. And uh, and then he'll keep enough about me because enough on the side where enough about me was never supposed to be Kirk's show. It was Kirk's show, but it was also the original idea was a, a, a really long form interview show back in 2016 when those podcasts were really getting popular. So um, you know may, may, maybe akin to back when Bill Simmons was doing a good podcast, not when he was you know California Bill uh, as, as a as your boy displaced uh, Bostonian would say. So I think that was the initial idea. And then, uh, and, and now Kirk is, uh, is kind of transitioned to do enough about me every day, or at least three to three to four times a week in the interim until he gets that studio space due to launch the full live show. So does yeah, when intercom gets their shit together and can allow him to do a live show, he's kind of filling the time with this podcast. So Kirk has a show and does he talk? No, he has a show. Is he has a podcast? Does he talk about not doing a show on his podcast? Um, no. He, in fact, that I think that's the thing with enough about me. There are some times where he'll discuss what's happening behind the scenes because people really want the live show. Listeners love the listener interaction, and I think there's something about that live format because Kirk is so great ad libbing, and he's also great as an interviewer. He's also great as an investigator. So I think that's where people are kind of, you know, people. Some people like you know get upset with a 20 minute podcast or a 25 minute podcast when they're like, man, I want to have a three hour live show. I want to be able to call in if I want. I think that's really what people are. Uh, talking about i get where you're where you're going here you're like he's complaining about not having a show on his show and now i will i will write down what i've learned so far nothing kirk minahan master ad libber and world-class investigator i have to say this dave i actually am confused now over kirk (laughs) based on what you said once again i'm in the position where i feel worse you guys do the show you're the fans the last time we did this, we had somebody You're on. You're supposed to know everything. I thought I did know everything. Last time we had somebody on who started to put doubt that the live show was ever going to happen. Kirk came on the next day and destroyed that person. Did he produce a live show <laughs> to destroy that person? No, it was a podcast. <laughs> no, he produced a podcast to, to destroy that so person. His, so wait, wait, wait. So <laughs> the way he destroyed the person who said that there was going to be no live show was with a podcast. That was not a live show. Uh, we don't have to. That's neither here nor there, my <laughs> friend. Not, I see. I have see, just. See, this is great. I like. I like that the snarkiness that comes across in your tweets actually comes across on the phone as well. So that that's good. Um, yeah, I was I was totally unprepared for this, and the fact that you're just kind of coming at it and we're just shooting the shit. Us. This is this is in my wheel. Just asking questions. Israel, yeah. Oh, I see. No, that's yeah. great. Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to throw that you in there. You could be the guy. Have you ever, uh, Dave? Have you ever heard the podcast we watch wrestling? Why would I have heard of that? I, Ooh, okay. I what, so I'm not a twelve year old boy. These... I'm sorry. There you go. Now I'm going to call the cops on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, baseball is a work. Football is a work. The only real sport is wrestling. Get that straight. Mm-hmm. So they have this podcast we watch wrestling, and it's two guys who are teaching this third guy who knows nothing about wrestling about wrestling. It's interesting. So you could kind of be our third guy. Yeah, he's the... Uh... Right. I never listened to Kirk, and you guys can, can explain can the whole fill thing you in me. on the greatness of Kirk. There you go. Okay. Now, I mean, well, let's talk about that, I guess, a little bit, because this is this is somehow turned into a minifan show, and it was, was going to be Should we interview. discuss the greatness of Kirk now? Well, 
I could see now. Now you already you took my thunder, man. I was going to ask you about. <laughs> I was going to ask you about the Cullen thing. You're you're a journalist. You're somebody who respects investi- investigative work. What was your opinion on that whole thing when they when they took down Cullen? I I did think that Kirk did um, some really interesting. A lot of pieces together. He, he framed it, and I don't know if it was just Kirk. I don't want to leave anybody out. I, I, I Chris I, Curtis as well. He okay. Helped. And and but the work that the, the show collectively uh, produced, I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean. I, I found it as, you know, I have two degrees in journalism. Uh, I, I've, I started working for my first, um, you know, I, my, my first writing for a daily newspaper and getting paid for it in like over 20 years ago. So I got a good deal of experience there. And I, I did think that there were, there were a lot of things I found unsettling. And um, I, I think that the, in general, and not, not necessarily to address that situation specifically, but I think in general, throughout the last, you know, 15 to 20 years in, the, in this market, uh, a lot of things have been allowed to slide and a lot of a lot of suspect things. And I think when we when we allow those things to slide, it it hurts the, the industry as a whole. And I, and I also think that, um, you know, people it, it allows for sort of. And for. People with agendas to exploit sure. the the lack of the media's credibility. Yeah, and and it, and it, it falls yeah. back into you know you, know, it, you can we don't even have to talk about Trump, but it, he always comes up in these in these discussions where Whoever. people who hate Trump, um, it, it works against their argument of trusting journalists in the media because it, it proves his his narrative that you can't uh, that it's fake news, right? So when when these things happen, when we have these instances like folks like a Colin, uh, specifically, um, it, it it kind of it, it it hurts both sides, right? Because you know the the people that love Trump latch on and say look more fake news, but then that hurts actual credible journalism, and the people who hate Trump have to try and defend a guy that's clearly full of shit. I mean, so let me ask you this: Do you think Colin should have a job? Yeah, I mean, it's you, not you really do? for me to say. Oh no, I, I that wasn't a yes. That was like well, a, obviously, I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna. It was more of saying, yeah, that's that's a big question, and oh. you know, you know, I look. It's I not know. your not your place to make a call on it. I think, I think, yeah, it's not my place to make a call on it. But I, I think he's not doing uh, the the stuff that Kirk. I don't. Oh, gosh, you know, this is I'm answering this in a horrible fashion. Oh, you're good. I'm really, I'm giving you a really mealy mouth, terrible answer here. <laughs> That's, but, that's why I'm pressing I, you on it. And I apologize for that, but I, I do want to say that I don't know what I don't know Colin's side of things, I guess, right? So I'm gonna now I'm both sides in this. I suck. I mean, Listen. I mean, God, you people are so I know, I'm terrible. <laughs> Look, I get it. Okay. And and I'm wrestling with uh the worst side of me right now who really wants to come out and say some mean things. But you know, I, I don't know all the facts that the Globe sat down when they decided that, but I will you say can that read, You can read the report. I mean, the report's out there. I think it's. I think it was all of three pages, actually. They put Kirk's three report whole, or the, with the Globe? The Globe. They published... I haven't read yeah, that. Yeah, they published okay. it. Yeah, I mean, you can read it later on. I think that would I think that would inform your opinion uh, later yeah, on. Yeah, I haven't read that. Yeah. Maybe maybe that would persuade me a little bit differently, but I will say that um, I'm, a, I'm kind of... Personally, I'm a zero-tolerance person for this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's multiple instances, too. I mean, he had, it's not like he did that one story. He just kept going over in, in, in interviews, in for, for, uh, follow-up articles that he just kept banging the drum around these people he knew. And he's quoting, you know, Sally from the bar and Jimmy from the firehouse. 
it's sort of, I don't want anybody to lose their livelihood, but once you lose your credibility in the media, what do you have left? And, and that's what they call in radio a nice uh, transition there. Let's talk about John Tomasi, speaking of people that don't deserve to have a position. What's I will say, I will say, I'm, I'm, this, this is a good intersection. I do want to say that the thing is, it, it, I've lost my job. Like, I, I know what it's like to suddenly not have a paycheck yeah. the next day. And I'll tell you, it sucks. But I will also say that when you go into the media, you really, you're really in something that touches on the public trust. And when you're careless with the public trust, I don't think you should have a job. And, you know, and that's not, you know, I'm not here trying to get personal. I respect you having that take, though, because a lot of journalists wouldn't have that take. So I respect you actually having the guts to say that. Yeah, it's it's tough because, you know, I, I don't want to uh, I'm not I'm not trying to have this like this guy should go and that guy should go and get into all that. But I will say that when you're when you're careless with the public trust, um, then you shouldn't be in a field where where the maintaining the public trust is so important and, and getting information. I think to that's people. a I think that's a really good point. Nobody's saying somebody like a Cullen should never work again. Just don't work in the media. There's plenty of other jobs you could you could go work in public relations and probably get a better salary doing that with the same skills. Let's talk about Tomasi here. Um, so first of all, this is also a segue into BJBSJ because clearly BJBSJ, which I don't even know what stands for, that'd be my first question. They scooped uh, the likes of Chad Finn, the, that little slumbering little uh, stooge. I wouldn't know he blocked. Yeah, well, me. he hasn't blocked. He hasn't blocked me yet, but I've scooped him in the past. And uh, two weeks ago, released a piece saying that Tomasi was going to leave to go to NBC Sports Boston. Chad Finn, of course, of course, in the least surprising least surprising move of 2019, comes out and takes all the credit for it, saying that sources say that Tomasi's going to NBC Sports Boston. So, first of all, can you explain to our listeners? What the hell is BJBSJ, and why did they outscoop Finn? Well, it's tough to explain exactly what BJBSJ is. It's it's sort of, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not an employee of BJBSJ. I think we have a lot of overlapping um, interests, and we've we've um, expressed similar opinions from time to time. And I've, and you know, basically, as a reporter, I've gotten to know a number of people who have asked me questions, much in the same way I got to know MHB. Who came to me Correct. with questions about? I remember you, you at one point came to me with questions about stories that you were working I on. I did, yep. And said, you know, do you think that this is? And I, and going back to our earlier conversation, I think that was a really a good approach. You were trying to say, you know, am I am I handling this? Am I attributing it right? And, and I've had similar conversations with some of these people, but you know, it, I mean, you're talking about an organization that, from what I've gathered, is is not really even necessarily an organization. It's it's. Um, it's akin to anonymous. It just um, is sort of a decentralized structure, and you know I've come to learn some things about them. But um, you know, I, I think I think one thing was when when you mentioned me coming on this podcast today and talking about this organ, talking about BJBSJ, I immediately heard from a lot of people from BJBSJ who probably all um, would rather have them speak on behalf of BJBSJ, uh. and. You know, it's uh, no, no, and that's. I'm just saying that, that they're down on the front lines of doing what they do, and so you know they don't want me to ruin it. But um, I can, can you at least tell I, us what it stands for. I mean, like I, I'm not authorized to tell you that, oh. but um, <laughs> but you know I can tell you it's an acronym, so that limits the number of words you can choose from. Well, if, you, if you brute force it, maybe you can figure it out. Um, 
See, I like this. This is like hacker speak. You can brute force it. That's, That's a lie. Great. I mean, I could tell. And you know, it's it's an eclectic group of people from what I've come together, and and what people were okay with me sharing were some things. Um, you know, you've got uh, yeah, look, one guy's a law student who's out in the Salt Lake City. You got a uh, one guy's a Harvard grad who just kind of is off the grid out in um, out west, wow, no like shit. in Montana. Yeah, you got a the one guy. One guy's a musician who's actually written a couple of hit songs. He lives in Hollywood, written like hit songs for other people. There's a doctor. There's one guy's like a one guy you believe is like a martial arts guru specializing in <laughs> in judo. Does um, like samurai. You're I'm not bu- kidding. You're bullshitting. Not, no, 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 no. It does like samurai, like... Uh, Who is the samurai guy and why no, is it no, David Carradine? It's Carey? not a samurai. Like, he does like those um, live-action role-playing stuff. Um, there's a rumor that Darren Ravel is involved, but I haven't been able to confirm that. <laughs> there's no way Darren Ravel is involved. Well, since... I, I'm, again, I, I... So I'm incredibly gullible. I haven't been you able can, to confirm it, but I do... This. The timing of when he left ESPN and... And again, this is not this is not confirmed information. Who is the musician, and why is it Ed Sheeran? What? Hey, I got beef with Ed Sheeran. My mom broke her leg at an Ed Sheeran concert at Gillette back in September. Did she? So really? That guy needs to that guy needs to settle down. Yeah, he's a ginger. Uh, his shows are out of line. <laughs> so is the uh, is the ninja Craig Bernard the uh, central polar bear, former bounty hunter? Well, I think I think that that bio speaks for itself. Okay, I was gonna say yeah. So once a once a ninja now a central polar bear. I get it. I, I like it. Um, they, for for anybody who is not familiar with this, you're like, what the fuck are these losers talking about? This sounds so bizarre. But so, but what's it, but what's interesting? What's most interesting about the group is that what you've got is a, these people who who do care about um, care about media issues, and they're out there and they're they're gathering information, they're writing about things, and you know the the story that you just touched on, which was that uh, John Samasi is leaving. WEI and and um, the Globe reported that today. That story was reported on on their website um, two weeks ago, like two weeks ago. And so it's like, whoa, these guys. It would appear that they're gaining some credibility. And, and I um, think that's what's so interesting is that when we have these new forms of media, things that maybe like a little bit more anarchistic, where uh, you know they're, they're they, I would say like maybe like a little bit of uh, anarchy is it plays a part in their philosophy because they're they're about tearing down those traditional institutions, especially in Boston sports media. They seem to to loathe all the mediates that they would that they would uh, call them. I think that it's interesting to see how these outlets, these independent outlets, can actually kind of out scoop. People like Chad Finn. People like the Globe, and I think that's it just, why we started this podcast because during the period of time where Menahan disappeared, nobody was reporting on anything except for MHB, whose almost everything that he put in there was one hundred percent accurate. And we kind of realized there's an avenue, there's there's an opening for this that somebody has to speak out, and why not be us? And, and it's just crazy that the media is just laying down. Chad Finn talked about with Kirk Menahan the reason that he didn't talk about the story is he was on vacation a big news story well i was on vacation i was on uh, no he was on sabbatical i have no reason to believe that he wasn't on sabbatical i just i would be but if there's a big story you can't put something well up. i was gonna say i'd be I, do, I would just be curious why the globe wouldn't find some way to write some other way to write about it that's all um it doesn't i mean you know when somebody goes on vacation you find somebody else to fill that role next man up kind of thing um but because because it was I mean listen he's he's a, a at the time you're talking about somebody who was neck and neck for 
in the ratings for the top morning show in Boston. That's somebody that that certainly had a following and that people cared about. And I would just think just just for they they were number one too. They were number one. Let's be fair. Listen, you know what? Every time I every time I take a side in this, <laughs> I get yelled at. I you know I so I, I, both both stations claim number one in the morning. I know, but it's yeah. I know. Bullshit. I I don't know what the calculus is anymore. I'm completely. I don't even know which station has uh like other stations in other states and whatnot. I'm just tell like I just know it's close. Yeah. Okay, and and the following is huge, and I would imagine just from the sake of um, wanting to get some information to people, so that they would come and click on Boston.com or whatever that they you know, and the Herald too, mm-hmm. that they would want to get some more eyeballs there. Um, but you know, you run into your media guys on sabbatical, and it's it's a tough time of year because you have Pat's camp going on, and um, and people are on vacation. And- it's a little off track, but this is something I've notice with a lot of stories i was looking at the denise McAllister story over the weekend where she completely lost her mind on twitter and the stories that were written about her were all the same regardless of where you go one person has a story it's an and aggregator. it's like you yeah. you just copy it, it there you could look at 15 articles about something it's the same story and it's like that with everything I will, you know, as somebody's worked in newspapers uh newspapers are understaffed it's it's a tough time for them and there's a big transition in media going on that's taking, you know, it's over a decade now in, in the works and yeah. um, people are still sorting things out. Now, now let me ask you, I'm, I'm interested in this. You once applied for Boston Sports Journal, correct? Or not, maybe you didn't apply, but you, you expressed oh, interest to, uh, to, to Greg Bernard. Yeah, I mean, and this is Bernard. like, I, like I've, I, put, I put all this, I, put, I mean, I put all this up on yep, Twitter. Yeah, that's what I'm referring to, ago. yeah. And yeah, I mean, what happened was that site was brand new. Mm-hmm. And there was um, sort of a, the way it was presented to everybody was, you know, we're going to do sort of this no hot takes um, approach to covering Boston teams. And, and I just thought that that's the greatest thing ever. And I reached out to, to uh, the people over there and I said, hey, um, I, I, I think that's a great mission and I would really like to provide some, some work to you or whatever I can do. And then I... And I suggested an idea of doing sort of a column on, or like a recurring feature on take an issue and examine it and look at, and, and people who are familiar with my work know that one thing I like to do is explore narratives, and I Absolutely. write about them in sort of a sarcastic way. I wasn't even doing that yet, mm-hmm. but I, you know, but at the time, what I proposed to Boston Sports Journal was sort of a, hey, Let's let's take apart a narrative and let's look at the information. And I was thinking of it more of a more straight laced thing, because my thinking was, if there's a big controversy going on, but you're not doing hot takes, how do you discuss the controversy in an intelligent way, and in a way that that, that type of subscriber would be looking for? And that so I, so I said that. How do you do that without clicks? Um, well, I think. I think that's the point is that for, for people who are just trying to figure out what's going on, I think it would attract that audience. Yeah. And, and that's the audience they were trying to attract. And, and, you know, here was the thing. It was just an idea that I shot off. I hadn't heard back, but I knew that they had just started it. It was busy over uh, at that uh, publication. And I wasn't really necessarily expecting to hold back. And, and then later when I was critical of um, one of the people over there, he sort of suggested that it was because I had 
had been turned down for a job. Which oh, we can name names. Not, Greg Bedard. He, he said that. And it's uh, like you know what? I'm 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 trying not to. I'm trying not to. I know, but, um, but I guess my thing is, get where into, did where did it go wrong for them? I mean, look, come on, let's play to our base. We know that your base loves hearing about yeah, this. How did things take a turn? Yeah, how did things take I, a turn? Well, I think I think I think in a lot of ways, um, they they made some smart hires over there. Mm-hmm. They. Um, they made some small hires. They brought in people like uh, Chris Price, who the audience is familiar with sure. and knows and can trust, and he's going to give you... Oh, he's excellent at back massages, I hear. <laughs> and rubbing lotion on James on Harrison. players' backs. Yeah. <laughs> what would you have done? What would you have done, Dave, if you were there? If, you, if James Harrison, this big beast of a man, gives you some back lotions like, yo, dude, rub this on my back, what would you have done? I mean, I'm not looking to be on James Harrison's bad side. <laughs> So that dude is scary. Um, But, but yeah, so, and Chris Price, he's a good dude. And, um, you know, and I think that they've made some good hires. I think that one of the things that people were looking for, look, it's tough to say that you're this not hot take organization and then go on two to six on Sports Hub <laughs> yeah. and sit there and sort of play along. Yes, that's, the, that's and, exactly it. And how about how you watch more film than everybody else? And about how, about how what was it? There's some vast conspiracy theory with Malcolm Butler and all this bullshit that this guy spews. You know, it's a... You know, I didn't know a lot about Bedard until you guys told me a little bit about this and hearing it now. And I think I hate him now too. He just sounds like well, a douche. You're in good company there. But I mean, that, I think you're right. I think that's the hypocrisy. Like you're, the, the gripe of maybe the people that, that, that you talk to or, or even you, Dave, seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that he, he presents himself as being this guy that's going to be no bullshit, no clickbait, straight lace. He's actually going to do thoughtful, legitimate uh, you know, sports analysis and presents himself in this very haughty, better than uh, way that he's like almost a coach Bedard, right? Like he could have he could have been a, a scout in another life or something like he could have been a head coach in another life. You know what I mean? And there's that arrogance that I think people are are turned off by. I will tell you, uh, your your friend Ironhead would love to have this conversation with you <laughs> because you're and you hit on a couple of his buzzwords there um i mean i feel almost like if i if i have um i i i know he could do this so much better than i can uh he's he's really has a special place in his heart um for that topic but but you know the other thing i'll say is this is that armchair quarterback um one of the things that they talked about when they were starting that website was DK Sports in Pittsburgh, and how that website had sort of set up a model for a subscriber-based sports uh, media site, okay? And then they got sort of like the template and all the stuff that had been worked out by, by DK Sports. They used like the same web developer, I think. Uh, all the stuff that, that aiming to learn the lessons from DK Sports, but they didn't follow some of the key lessons, which were start small, don't hire a large staff. DK started by himself, built up a ton of subscribers, and then wouldn't hire until he had enough uh, enough staff. Well, he wouldn't hire staff until he had enough uh, funds to pay them full time and have them travel with whatever team they were covering full time. That that makes so much sense because Bedard could have done that himself. He could have gotten a press pass and just done the Patriots, which the Patriots around the Boston area are unbelievably hot. Huge, huge fan base. You could just have a site where I think people would have paid just to get regular Patriots news and then built from there. My point now is I think why if I'm going to spend the dollars to buy... 
a website subscription, why would I just not use the athletic? I, I think, you know, it, we're in a place now where you can pick and choose, you know, the people that you like and, and go wherever they are. But um, that, that didn't help uh, Boston Sports Journal. And, you know, they're, they're hovering. You know, I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're raking in dough. I, I don't know. We know the subscriber numbers. Yeah. What is it, how many yeah. is it right now? What's it up to? They're still. I think they're still under ten thousand. Jesus. Wow. Or they're close. If they're if they're over ten thousand, then they just went over. So they're I'm they're bleeding money with much. the salaries that they have. They must be bleeding money. Oh, I, listen. I don't. I haven't seen their books, and and that would be speculation. Let, but let's ask a let's ask a lighter hearted question. Uh, why does Tommy Kern hate you? He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. That's not the question. Not what I was getting. I was getting people saying, "Ask him why uh, Tom Kern hates him." We had listen. Tom. Tom is not shy about uh, having a discussion <laughs> on Twitter, and we had some um, we had some words and some exchanges uh, at the end of training camp. And I think came to blows. Um, at the end, he agreed that it wasn't the right place to sort of um, debate the issues that we were debating. What, what were and you guys debating? Then later on, for, for people that don't understand, what were you guys debating? Well, I was listen. I I felt like um, it started off with somebody else's column. Somebody wrote about whether or not Belichick got enough for Chandler Jones, yep. and I took issue with it. And I broke down all of the reasons why I felt like they did get enough for Chandler Jones, and I think that the data shows it was one of the better returns that a team has gotten for an edge rusher mm-hmm. at that particular point of their career, and. Um, you know, for anybody who wasn't Khalil Mack, and, and that trade hadn't even happened yet, I don't think he he sort of t- he sort of accused me of of sort of doing um, taking an approach to my work where I just wait for other people to write things I don't like, and then what he called it trampolining off of that instead oh. of generating my own kind of work. And you know what? I think I think that there is a place in the media for sort of debunking these popular. Yeah, that's media criticism. Like, hello, Tom. That's that's a legitimate thing. That's that aren't my true. favorite type of media. I mean, listen, I get it. People are out there working hard, and you're shitting they on it. Don't well, they they don't want to feel like somebody's doing that. But if it's um, shitty work, it gets shit on. You know what I mean? You, you, I, I wouldn't use those words exactly. <laughs> uh, but it's not the, that's not the most diplomatic way to put yeah. it. But I think, but again, I think when we're talking about something where we're disseminating information to the public, there has to be sort of a thoughtful discussion of whether what's out there is right. Yeah. And no one should be afraid of that. And people have come at me with, um, people have come at me with plenty of questions about things I've written or said, and, and I'm, I've apologized, I've made mistakes, and I've said, hey, you know what, I want to get this right and do it better. Um, and I think that should be everyone's attitude. But anyway, Tom came at me and I think by the end of it sort of realized that the underlying issue about Chandler Jones I was right on I think he agreed with me there and then we had another discussion about Brandon Cooks and whether the Patriots had a plan um, after they traded Brandon Cooks by the way they won the Super Bowl it worked out <laughs> but but, uh, but but let me but but Dave have they done enough this season to protect him this offseason have they done enough to protect Brady I don't know I don't know I don't think they've done enough I hope there's no games tomorrow <laughs> But I think, I think it's one of those things where you have to. Um, he's throwing to Flotsam and Jetsam. He's throwing to Flotsam and Jetsam out there. Come on. Well, well, in analyzing the Patriots, you, you just have to sit back and go, okay, th- there's a long track record of figuring it out. And like, if this were going back to Lawyer Malloy and the day after he was cut, I mean, I, I can understand a lot of raised eyebrows that day. 
But then they won the Super Bowl, and then they won the next Super Bowl. So you know what? The people started saying, a Bill, we trust. And now people say that five minutes after they win the Super Bowl, and ten minutes later, they're not trusting him anymore. I don't understand that attitude. Well, that's because you have Barbados Belichick, who's out there getting sun rays instead of making deals. He let, he let all these guys, these good receivers, walk, right? And that, by the way, that's a Mark James parody, and I'm, I don't actually believe that. Uh, that's another story that BJBSJ, I heard, got right, was... Um, what you guys had a, a question about with them was Mark James, uh, something concerning his hiring. That's right, the with, beef. Um, that's the source of the beef. So, that's so, the beef. so I think that. But maybe, then didn't Paul? But didn't Paul go on your show and say, yeah. Paul Chardier? Am I saying yeah, that Yeah, Paul right? Chardier. 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 Yeah, uh, I think Paul came on and he said that that even I think Paul's argument was yes, he may have b- become familiar with him as a result of that being in the news. But I guess Paul's argument was that it's not like Joey was out there saying, you know what, WEI needs more of sexual harassers. You know, I think that, so I think it's a semantical argument at the end of the day, I think, but. That's what really was the genesis of it. And it was more of me being kind of a dick, but they put that out there saying the reason they hired, uh, this is how I interpreted it, that the reason they hired Mark James was because of his proclivities with coworkers. And there seems to be a lot of focus on Joe Zarbano. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't my understanding. Yeah, if, of it. if no, and, if, if and their, I'm not gonna argue if, if their argument is that he is that Joey heard about him through the sexual harassment, then yeah, I agree with him. If if that puts the guy in your radar and then you hire him, that's sort of a yeah, but that's that's a semantic. That's a dicey. I guess. <laughs> well, wait yeah, a no, no, you're right. What? But yeah, I guess you're. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, hey, you know? I'm, not, I'm not defending Mark James. Like, first of all, Mark, Mark well, James and I. I never heard of this. I never heard of this Harvey Weinstein before, <laughs> but now he's piqued my interest. Okay. Like, oh, what? You talk to him off the air all the time. I do. MHP. I was gonna That's say, yeah. Friends. The problem is confession time. I actually have had private phone conversations with uh, Mark James off the air when I've called in to troll uh-huh. him. And uh, let's. Ju- but we're not. I mean, listen, I'm not calling him Weinstein. I'm just. I'm just using. An extreme to make an example but that's sort of what's going on here it's like oh, i heard this terrible thing about like like what other job could you get hired for when the first thing they hear about you is your sexual harassment scandal you're getting hired by somebody who spends half of his life swiping right on twitter i mean let's let's also not forget that i mean joey's not one of the great minds in america uh so that, that i met they joe also think that i'm a big they also think i'm a big joe supporter I just jump out there when something seems a little unfair, and I'll, I'll call him on that. They were, they were, they were saying he started the Chicago fires and that he killed a Lindbergh baby. <laughs> I don't think he's a very talented guy, but to say, okay, well, now he's into hiring predators because they're predators. I but that's not. I don't think. Overboard. I don't think that the. I don't think we're, we're that splitting the, hairs. We're splitting hairs. My understanding of the thing was right. not that. Um, that Joe was looking to put together an elite predator squad for <laughs> That sounds like a great radio. movie. That's and a great movie. I man. think it was more one? like more like sliding right past this news. So to And then in fairness, I, I went and, and just went crazy on Twitter. So you apologize. You apologize to the text in a, line. In a you apologize. Office. My apologize to the text okay. line. My apologize to uh Daily Arnold. Alright, so wait so wait, let me just take away my takeaway here is that um, DEC has apologized. Yes. And he has acknowledged that he was wrong and he will never do it <laughs> again. Well, yes, okay. kiss, come Got back, it. kiss the That's ring, right. shitless renewed. But no, no, I think when you put, the way that you put it was actually really, uh, was interesting. You're right. In what other industry do you get hired out of a big scandal? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe porn. 
I guess like store the what the White House. Yeah, let's talk about that fat toad, Tomasi. Yeah, what's your what's your views on Tomasi? Can you tell us? Because I've I've made I, it, I wrote a story about I've it. I've made it my life's work. That's not quite my life's work, but I really really want to because that, that's kissing Kirk's ass. But my I really want to know who was his source. Give me give me your top three theories. He didn't have a source. You think he fabricated it? He he's no. adamant he was given bad info. No. So I've read that Tomasi lies. The information so the here's the thing. There. No, here because because he wrote in his own words. Okay, listen, I'm just saying in John Tomasi's own words, there was a devastating leap of logic. Those were his exact words, right? Mm-hmm. That somebody told him that there were cameras pointed at the field, and that he made the assumption based on that information that the cameras had tape in them and were recording. How is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing at your reaction, but that was. Uh, yeah. That was a, that was a drop. That was Jerry Callahan. But oh, okay. I thought so. I was like, that's why I was laughing. I was like, wow, he sounded like Jerry there. That was, but um, no, you moron. And that's John Ziegler. That's okay. This was um an assumption that Tomasi made. So therefore, no one told him that the Patriots recorded a Rams practice. He had no source that told him that. The source didn't give him bad information. In his own words, he had no information that there was a film recording in his own words he he didn't he didn't exactly fabricate it like he didn't set out with the intention to um make something up he accidentally made something up and he admitted to it in his apology yeah, yeah that's no that's good a, that's pr- that's pretty it's not good that's pretty shameful no. if that if that's if, if if you and the reason he did it and the reason he pressed forward without a source like he, he kept looking for sources that couldn't confirm it he says this in his apology and the reason he did, he said, was out of expediency, uh, because he didn't want to get beat on the story. And, and my, from my perspective, that is not an acceptable reason to go to print. It's because you don't want to get beat. Oh, absolutely. And that's, and that's all journalism is today. Look at guys like Schefter and uh, guys like, uh, like, like Woj. Like they, do they write anything? Like Schefter had a guy ghostwrite his book for him. You know, like their, their entire li- lives and livelihood is... They're the first one, right? They're, they're, the, they're the one to break the story. I mean, do you, do you think that's a good thing for journalism? Clearly, it sounds like you don't. Well, who would think that's a good thing? I no, no, you're right. You're, you're right. I guess what... what I mean, what listen, you... look, you've got guys who are well-connected mm-hmm. putting out information. The, the way that, like, 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 there's a lot of information that we're all going to get. I mean, when they call them scoops, right? It's like, okay, you were the first person to report that, somebody, that so-and-so signed with this team. But we were all going to know. The, the game was going to be played. And they were going to be, or, or this guy's hurt. Well, the game was going to be played and the guy wasn't going to be in the field on Sunday. So, you know, we were going to all figure this out. It's not Watergate level story breaking. Okay. I have to tell you, I was very concerned recently when I heard Tomasi on the air and talking about something similar. He said this. I, I have hugged them and I've, I have touched their leg. I mean, what is that all about? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. My answer was boring. So you brought in the drop. Is that what just happened? I don't know. What happened? What is that? What is going <laughs> it's on? Jerry Sandusky. <laughs> okay, that's another thing. For people, for for your audience out there who doesn't know who I am, I am the guy you book after you book the Jerry Sandusky. Dep- that's right. <laughs> when you get that deep into the the bench, that's where I am. Right <laughs> behind the guy who thinks that Jerry didn't do it. That's me. You're you're the guy um, that, that 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 thinks uh, that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start for Tom Brady, right? Well, no, no, <laughs> I didn't think that at all. No, I know you. I, you I, asked the legit. You had you're the only guy that asked the question. I understand. I, I was actually just listening to you on um, 
Oh, who's whose radio show did you go on? That bore Dan, Dan Patrick. Patrick. Yeah, yeah, that guy. What a what a what a radio genius he is. Um, but uh, yeah, your your whole thing was that it, it's not consistent with the Belichick philosophy, right? Like that you always have to earn your spot. Basically, yeah. I mean, look, look, that that was my first day. <laughs> that was my first day back after sort of what like an eight year break in covering any professional sports. And what a what a splash you made, man. I mean, you were like you were everywhere that day. I remember I remember Kirk was actually defending you. Kirk was one of the yeah. few guys that were like saying like, "You know what? That's a good question, right?" It good because it was a little bit hypocritical and there's one thing that Kirk has a nose for, it's hypocrisy. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Um but maybe sure he does. But uh what was crazy that day was that I I had I could show you a video of a conversation I had with Belichick in 2008 uh, at a press conference with a back and forth that was fairly contentious and a little weird. And like today, it probably would have been a story, but back then it wasn't. Yeah. And I didn't know. People were like, you did this to get attention. And I was like, yeah, I remember. I didn't know. I didn't know that about Twitter. Okay. I had 70 followers when I walked in that Mutt, room. Mutt, I believe. I didn't know anything Mutt, about Twitter. Mutt said that, you, that this was a PR stunt, that you were doing this just to get yeah, your name out a there. Big PR stunt. I think, that's, that's, I think that's what he was accusing you of. I, 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 I didn't. But when I used to. So I was a reporter uh, up until 2008, and then I went to law school in 2008. Yeah. Are you still, are you still and, practicing, by the way, sidebar? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I got a question, legal question later on. But what, but what I'll say is, so, so during that time, I just didn't understand the news cycle and how that exchange, I figured maybe somebody would write his remarks up in a story for later. I didn't, when, like I left, I, I had to run out and grab a book about the, the educational coach because I, I quoted it in my story and I came back to, to practice and all hell broke loose. Well, no, Tom Curran's asked me who I am. And was I'm he like, was he like who do you think you are? No, no it wasn't like he that. was like no, he was like uh, Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen want to know who you are. Wow! And I was like, no, it was Michael K and Rich Eisen or something like that. Michael know K. Who you are. That's what it was. Michael K and Rich Eisen or something like that. And I was like, what? Um, and I and I go down to the field and, uh, and I'm standing there and I like search Bill Belichick on Twitter and I realize that all hell's broken loose. Um, and we had another run and that's when I went on Dan Patrick, but look, what I'll just say is, is that, um, what I set out to do is write a story about how Tom Brady had sort of subverted the, the system of you have to earn your spot. And so he had kind of gotten to this place. It's not a great story idea. It was just what I had. Um, it seems like a legitimate on day one after a long break. I don't think it's a crazy question. I mean, but you, but you, would, you would admit that there was no reality on this planet where Jimmy Garoppolo was going to start for Tom Brady, right? I feel like you, you were well, saying that philosophically. You know what, though? After, after, after um, Jimmy got hurt, to, uh, Tom Curran said it, the, the, the question was pressure. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, Jimmy started off really strong. Yeah. And so this market's crazy. And people are going to create that controversy even if it's not necessarily valid. I was just one step ahead of this controversy. And Bill was already on the record basically saying it was crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, but then you also training do you have Bill saying that we know Tom's agent contract situation. So clearly it was something on Belichick's mind. So I guess you could, you, I guess your question could be pressing in that sense. Yeah. You know, I defended it. I, I defended this a lot more at the time. 
And so now you're, you're willing it. to cop to the fact that it was a dumb question? No, I don't think, like, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to walk you through my process. And, and, and I will say this. Here's what I've learned from it is that when you ask a question like that in this media environment, you are feeding the takes machine. Yeah. And that was, that's not what I'm interested in. I don't want to feed the takes machine. So I don't ask questions like that anymore because what I try to do now is I try to ask questions like on a conference call or somehow under the radar, you know, just because it's like, like on a Friday when things are a little more low key or something like that, because I, it's just, it's a beast. It gets out of control. And I, you know, I, I really regretted a question that I asked Cyrus Jones, which I thought was a really good question. I thought it was fair. I thought it was a question that he should have been asked. And then the his answer... I don't even remember exactly what I asked him, but I know in his answer he said something like, he, tr- he was trying to articulate that he didn't listen to what the fans say when they're negative toward him, and he, and he said something like, you know, um, people who can be fair-weather fans or something like that, and then the narrative became that Cyrus Jones is calling Patriots fans fair-weather mm-hmm. fans, and it's like, you know what I mean? That's so what so saying, people latch on to specific aspects of it, and at the end of the day, it's not quite what you were trying to say, but that's, that's the What narrative. can I build... What can I build a controversy? Yeah, I mean, like I mean, cherry pick. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, like for this, for instance, I mean, the the narrative is that you said John Tomasi and Kevin Collins should be fired. I mean, that's pretty much pretty clearly what you said, I believe, right? Have you, have you right? <laughs> have you right? Dave Brown, Dave Brown, you'll never believe yeah. what Dave Brown came on the Minifan Show and said. He said that John Tomasi should be fired from NBC Sports Boston. I'm, I'm just messing with you. Well, here's Though, my problem with the John Tomasi hiring. They're putting John Tomasi on TV on a regular basis. Who would put that? that face that scares young children away on that show that's already it's so they can get Trenny and Tomasi they're getting the band back together I mean they, this has been the, the, kind of the, the, uh-huh. the mention for a while that they're going to bring in him with Trenny and I think that I, I, I don't know maybe this could mean Kirk News maybe Gary Tangway is going to be replaced on NBC Sports Boston and go to the Kirk Menahan show possible could happen well, the problem is Gary Tangway said this on Friday night. Am I sexually attracted to yes. underage boys? <laughs> sexually attracted? Oh, Gary, what are you doing to me, man? Gary's putting his foot in his mouth. Um, no, I, I also... I don't think that was really Gary. <laughs> the, the Celtics incident with the fan the, the saying the, that is allegedly said oh. with a racial slur. What's, what's, your, what's your take on that? Are you, are you part of... My take is that there's no right answer to how you answer this question because... Half of America is going to hate you. Well, what about Adam Jones? I mean, this has to go back to the Adam Jones discussion. What I mean, where where do you fall in that camp? Are you do you think that? I mean, clearly Adam Jones like claims he heard something, but there's also you know there's no evidence of it. There's 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 all there's all sorts of people around that that have not heard anything. Did anybody even get in trouble for the Adam Jones they, thing? They they said he was banned for uh, life. Yeah, Kirk Menahan. <laughs> The fan, I guess they said, was banned for life. But then you have the next night, you've got that guy. Yeah. You've got that guy who faked a comment that it actually didn't happen, um, where he had a, his son. Uh, he was in an interracial marriage, oh. and his son was black. He's a white guy, and he said that somebody said something to his son that turned out to be false. That that was that was debunked. Um, Here's my opinion on this: We're putting a lot of energy into like whether so and so said what at the game, and it all comes down to like if we can acquit the person of saying the thing at the game, then no one was right to call Boston racist. And then it becomes like, can a whole city even be racist? And, and that's- I mean, who would make up this stuff? It's like somebody would say they got beat up by a guy with MAGA hats and nobody would ever do hold that. Hold on, hold on. I, I don't even, listen, what I'm trying to say is like that discussion 
is so out of what the discussion that people should be having when it comes to race, when it comes to Boston. Um, art. Do you think Boston's a racist city? Like, I don't even know how to answer that question because I mean, every city, every know, city has racism. And I talked to friends of mine. I wrote about this, and I wrote about this in the context of Kirk. Sure. With, and I don't even know if the story's still available. I don't even know it's still out there, but because um, I wrote it for a website, and I don't even know if it still exists. But the Gordon Hayward thing with Bomani Jones from a few years ago, I wrote yeah. about this. And what I did was I talked to uh, I talked to friends of mine, people of color who lived in the city, and what their experiences were like here. And these were people who had lived all over the country, and they'd lived in other countries, and they had they had. Um, some very specific comments about what um, it was like living here as a person of color. Hey, hey, bang on this. And, and, and what I'll say is, um, it, it's certainly not my place. And I've, you know, I've gotten into this thing before. I've gotten into this, into this discussion before where I have said, I've, you know, of course Boston's racist. But when I say that, I look at it like a person who has arthritis. They're arthritic. It doesn't mean it's always flaring up. That doesn't mean it's always as bad as, like, the riots. But from time to time, from time to time, there's a condition there that um, can be exacerbated. Because somebody took a dump at Bill Russell's house, you know, 50 years ago? Like, how does that... I guess that's that's my question. Well, here's what I'll say. There is absolutely... And and now, you know, like, again, I'm I'm trying to come at this from the perspective of somebody who has said these things and it's somebody who has really spent a lot of time trying to sort out would you say it's complicated that it is complicated but but here's here's the here's the conclusion that i've come to which is that i can't judge what's in everybody's heart you can't necessarily judge a whole city's heart but there is racial tension here there's no doubt about that that's everywhere there are segregated neighborhoods and the people i've spoken to have had bad experiences this is the conversation we need to be having though not did the kid i don't i honestly don't care if that kid can go to basketball games for two years i don't i'm not worried about it um it, if, if he didn't say the bad thing, that sucks. That's a bum deal. But there are a lot of people who've gotten bum deals, and okay. Um, I think that we also have to divorce the idea, though, that these athletes are kind of in a position of suffering the same as somebody who's disenfranchised. I mean, we're talking about millionaires that are getting paid to play a sport that didn't like the fact that somebody, you know, said something that. And, and again, if he truly did, if the kid truly did say that, you know, screw that guy. Yeah, I could. He could. He could ban okay. it forever for but all I care. Who's sitting? Who's sitting close enough? Do you know how expensive those seats are? Who's sitting close enough to? DeMarcus Cousins. To see him, but right? then how did DeMarcus Cousins hear him if he just mouthed it? Like, at first it was reported... But no, this, no, no, this no. no. Back, you but, know, but, you, but you have to give me this. This goes back to the media hysteria, and I think that an aspect... Do I agree with you that there's racism in... But everybody's hysterical. But there's racism... Is there racism in Boston? Absolutely. There's racism in every city. But there's a narrative that's attached to it. We talked about narratives before, and I think now it's easy to pile onto that narrative. Okay. Because, because... Here's the problem. Because you know, if you're an athlete, you know that, you, that, that no one is ever going to question you if you say if you claim that you heard something racist in Boston, here's okay. Here's the problem: is that everything gets stupid as soon as someone accuses uh, a, a Boston person of doing something like what happened at, at the Celtics game, and it, it all it all it all becomes a sports question of whether it's okay to sort of insinuate that the Boston that the Boston sports fans are this. Um, See the element who Correct, yeah. act this way, and now and now instead of discussing things that actually happen in the city, well, but but then you have to t- but- you have some, you have people from the suburbs stepping up to defend themselves as sports fans, and it it just. Sure. 
No, no, that, that's a, all that's goes a fair point. That's a fair to the wrong that's a place. Fair point. But then you also have the Globe doing that spotlight series, and you have to admit that just because someone chooses to go to one hospital over another does not mean that if you go to a hospital, you're going to be turned away because of your race. And the implication that's in that, especially towards the medical professionals at those hospitals, is disgusting in my opinion. I think the Globe should never have published something like that. I didn't read it. Oh, you didn't. So they, I think they, they no. said that they said that black folks in Boston were more. Uh, they they didn't feel comfortable that they'd be welcomed welcomed at uh, DEC. Do you remember what hospital it was? Right. Uh, I can't remember, but one of the uh, one of the affluent hospitals. It was the main one. Gosh, I want to say Mass Pioneer, but that was what Jerry was but, talking but, but, about. But do you see, so so like, or the Globe will go to a specific place, a public space, and count and count the number of the number of rep, uh, of people of color as if somehow that's indicative, right? Or the, or the, or the net worth. Like I hate to break it to yeah. you, but anybody who owns a, who who has student loans and has a mortgage has a negative net worth. So the argument that 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 the fact that the average net worth for Black families in Boston is five dollars is an argument that doesn't hold uh-huh. water. That's a that's a bad argument. How is that not a, a, at the very mildest a biased statement to say if I'm counting black people they must have a negative net worth so therefore hospitals would not want to serve them. It doesn't feel like the a non-biased statement. People say in in one in one they 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 acknowledge that there's racism in Boston. They wash it away by saying that there's racism everywhere. And what if it were something else? Like, what if it were lead in the water? Would you say, there's lead in the water in Boston, but there's lead in the water everywhere? No, you'd say like, hey, Boston, we gotta get our act together and get this lead out of our water, right? And I think that's where I think the discussion needs to be is sort of, can we just talk about, instead of trying to quantify like how many parts per million racist we are and whether we're the most racist city in the country or whether we're the worst sports fans or blah, blah, sure. blah. Let's just have discussions about, um, you know, and when I say let's, I don't mean you and me. We're probably not going to solve yeah. anything. But I mean, can we just focus the issue on, you know, people feel a certain way. Can we um, maybe do some things to move forward with that? It's the haughty, pretentious liberals, right, that want to talk more about. I, I don't. Oh, think shut, this shut is the good fuck up! Shut right the now. fuck up, DEC. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Listen. I think this is an interesting no, conversation. I think this is an interesting conversation. I do think DEC might be right. I don't know if this is good radio. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, um, I guess. I guess my, my thing is that do you? If we're going to attack ta- tangible issues and real instances that actually make sense, that's that's perfect. But if you're going to go to, but if you're going to go to public spaces and count the number of people of of races of people there and try, and, <laughs> what's so funny? What is that? He <laughs> cracked. I mean, you clearly have a beef with the story that I haven't uh, read. Yeah, that's fair. But I also, I and also I, have an issue. I just, I think for me is just like, I think one thing that we see clearly in media, especially in in 2019, is the the virtue or the the um, the prominence of narrative over fact. And I see a lot of that, the same yes. grounds when it comes to the Boston racism argument. I went to school in the South. Let me tell you, the South is infinitely more racist infinitely they the, the things that they call people and the things that in discussions that white people have in boston when white when white rich people get together they're talking about issues of race and they're talking about ways that they can be more inclusive and more diverse let me tell you when you get with, the, with some of these good old boys in the south that have money it is a totally different conversation so that, that I guess that's my argument well i i spent two years living in north carolina um so i do have some familiarity with what you're saying and i will say that that the way that so so People in the North are raised a certain way, like you don't use these words and that's terrible and you, you know, um, racism is bad and, and then you go down and live maybe down there and you see that um, people aren't necessarily following the same plan sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I'll say that the way that white people experience racism is different from the way people of color experience racism. So maybe we're not as, uh, our radar isn't really tuned into 
what goes on up here. And, and one of the people I spoke to in the article I wrote, she told me that her, her grandfather had explained this to her, that in the South, uh, the way racism works is well, people don't care how close they are to people of color as long as they have more than the people of color. So if you live next door to me, but your house is better than mine, that's when people get upset. In the North, it's more Northerners don't care how much stuff you have. Uh, they just care where you have it. And they don't want it to be necessarily in their neighborhood. And that she said she found to be true when she came to Boston. That there is sort of a, an arm's length between where people live in the city and how they interact and where they go. And so if, you, if you're a white person, you're not counting necessarily the number of people of color who are you go out for a drink and they're in that bar i have actually for i've gone to bars and you know those little umpire clickers i bring <laughs> okay. that with okay. me oh my god i'm just saying i just think the argument that 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 you know i think that also has to do with real estate inflation and the fact that boston is one of the most expensive areas and then that that argument i don't think that it's out of the fact that people that are selling their houses don't want to sell the people of color i think it's about that there is income inequality especially with the with the with the african-american mm -hmm. community and that's something that's absolutely real something that has been a historical problem nationwide and you also have Boston that is uniquely uniquely disproportionately expensive when it comes to real estate so I think the income inequality that is and I would say I hate this term but it is systemic and it has been systemic in the in the black community that combined with the it's an economic I guess to me it's an economic issue more than it is an issue of these evil people don't want to sell their houses to black people uh, for those of you just joining us welcome to our TED talk on. I know. Where did, where did, how did we even get it? But do, does that make sense, though? Systemic, I, I, I systemic institutional racism in Boston right and its history. And but, but that's so the whole forth. point. That's, again, uh, that's, the, that's the beauty of the and, podcast. But, but a lot so of what you're talking about goes back so far, and it's so ingrained, and it's this twisted knot, and it's like, but it, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt anybody to say. It just. My point is this: it doesn't hurt anybody to say that what's going on can sometimes be messed up, and we need to examine that. And figure out how we can improve it. I, 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 got, I got two more questions for you. Number one, you, I, I will give you these props. You were absolutely right about the Patriots all along. Do you think that you're right about the Celtics? You guys have been saying from the beginning, you get, you're kicked out of the parade. You know, uh, California Bills kicked Bans, banned from the parade, right? And, and then you parade. got uh, Bill, Bill Simmons' dad, well, Bill Sr., banned from the parade. Because he, oh, he also, he's a terrible follow. He's like this, this, this little, like, wobbly, mealy-mouthed old man that just sits there just like, you know, and just bitches about the, the clouds passing by. I, I, I can't stand him. But do you think that the Celtics will pull it together? Yeah. <laughs> so you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> You, you, you can't, um, dude, no, 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 because cause here's where I will disagree with you. I, I can't stand Kyrie. I really think that, I really think that he's puke. I really do. I really do. I just think that, that he is, he could easily put an end to this media nonsense in this circus. And he's, he's choosing not to with his, cause I mean, you I mean, like, let's just be any thinking person, the whole flat earth comments we, in the, in the whole, uh, thing with the video with him and Durant, we all know that he he clearly lacks some self-awareness. I mean, would you at least grant that, that he's a weird guy? Yeah, I mean, he certainly has some peculiarities, but I think what concerns me is when he questioned the coach. Yeah, ask Brad. What concerns me a little more is, more than that, you know, people who cover the Patriots get all bent out of shape when, when those guys don't give answers. But that's a key component of their success is their ability to look right through the media 
and focus on what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, the media ruined the Celtics locker room this year, and I think that we both could agree with that. That 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 there that that early on they had a rough start, and the media narrative seeped in, and these guys are young guys, and 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 obviously are all on Twitter, and they obviously see the hate that they're getting on their Instagrams. I mean, would you agree that that to an extent the media is to blame maybe for some of the internal malfunctions in the Celtics locker room? I mean, I wasn't following it blow by blow as far as far as that goes. I think one of the things that a person in an athlete's position has to realize is that, especially in Boston, um, you're going to be scrutinized by a good number of people who don't understand your job as well as you do. And they're not always going to be right. And they're going to try to exacerbate, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of David Price right now. They're going to try to exacerbate every little thing and, and try to stretch it out into whatever kind of controversy they can. And your job is to, you know, be less of a David Price and more of a Tom Brady in those situations. I, I would be encouraged to see Kyrie pick up some of those techniques of not answering questions. It's a little bit tougher in the NBA because you have to see those same people every night for 80 games. And, and he's got to answer questions from Mark James, right? Where I'm sure that he's more so worried about Mark keeping James's hands off his girlfriend than, than he is about answering his questions. So there's that too. No comment. Right? But <laughs> well, get past that. No, but I mean, so 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 I, I get I, I I get what you're saying there. But so you think they're going to pull it together, and you would say that I am now banned from the parade. Shove that up your nose. I can't believe we're actually doing sports talk on a podcast that we <laughs> neither can I. We actually shit on sports talk radio. Let me ask you a legal question, and then we can let you get out of here. Also, the term attorney at large is not a thing. It's attorney at law. I thought it was. Attorney. I don't know where I thought it was. A, I don't know where you got attorney at I large. Like, isn't that sound great though? Attorney at large. It's like a criminal at it, large. Right. It's it sounds a brand like a new segment. I'm a fugitive attorney. <laughs> Dave Brown, attorney at large. Um, okay, let's do rapid fire questions and we'll let you out of here. Uh, Displaced Bostonian, oh you have a gun with one bullet. Do you shoot Cora, build the GM, or build the coach? I have one bullet. Do you shoot Cora, build a GM, or build a coach? I don't believe in violence, but I'm a Yankees fan. So, Cora? I mean, this is not a tough one for me. That's all well, I'll say. Their, 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 decision, uh, <laughs> their decision to, conti- to, to re-sign. I don't want to be on the record saying I would shoot someone. Uh, okay, but, but I would say that uh, build a GM. I mean, you, you get the most efficiency out of your bullet because build a GM and build a coach really are the same person. Oh, a two-for-one deal. Okay, yeah. But that's not where I'm going with All right, it. Dave. F. Mary Kill. <laughs> Jen Royal, Trenny Kuznarek, or Casey Smith? Uh, okay, I don't really know much about Casey. So I, I do know, okay, so Trenny once called me uh, a nincompoop. And Did she really? She, the, on the day with the, with the Jesus Christ yeah. question. Yeah. And my mom is still upset about it because my mom was listening at the time. And I wasn't. That was really funny. My dad was in, uh, my parents were in Amsterdam. And I told my dad what had happened, so he puts on Sports Hub. And so they're sitting in Amsterdam listening to Sports Hub, for crying out loud. And my dad's sending me updates like, Ben Volen called you a press conference hero. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, Trenny called you a nincompoop. And I was like, and I was like who's Trenny? I had never heard of her. Um, You're not missing much. But, but, which I felt was a little unfair. My mom was like, boy, she really like laid into it. And she felt like she, she just kind of went over the line. Um, and I'll trust my mom's assessment of that. But I thought it was a little unfair because she didn't really know me. So I don't think I, I want to marry Trenny or have relations with so you're her. you're going to kill her. Which leaves me with only one other two, option. Two murders. You two, know, nothing personal. But I only have three, I only have three calls here. So then what's left? Um, Ephraim, Ephraim Mary. I know that Jen Royal can cook. Ooh, 
domestic. Maybe she's tired of cooking all day uh, in the kitchen and she wants you to cook in your marriage. See, that's the thing. Running a restaurant is really stressful. And I don't know that I'd want to be married to someone. And she's got like, a little crazy in her. I don't, again, who knows? You know, um, but I'm not. Yeah, I think I can't. I think I can't marry her. You, you are so good at these equivocations, man. You are so good at this. This is, this is a lawyer professional. This is an attorney at large. Dave Brown, attorney at large here. I'm trying to give you the most honest, non-offensive <laughs> answers to your offensive questions. That this I guy has listened. So you're saying you're going to F her. This guy has listened ah. to one. T- ah. That's not exactly what I'm saying. I don't think that's, that's going to happen. Marjorie, that's Marjorie um, Egan, that, that the sound clip you're hearing. I'm also, I am a married man. Right. Yeah, F. Mary Kill. So, Marjorie Egan. This all would have to happen. In an in alternate a, reality. In this is all hypothetical. Because oh, Jesus Christ. I love my, that's what I'll have to, yeah, I love my wife. Um, and I think she's, I think I like her more than, I mean, I know I like her more than Jen Royal. Um, okay, that's a lie. That's not even an insult. That's just... This reality. guy has, has um, you've become a professional. You've, you've gone to the Bill Belichick school of question answering, my friend, because you are very good at dancing around these issues. Um, okay, best steakhouse in uh, Concord. <laughs> people, people ask me about both Concord, Mass, and Concord, New Hampshire, uh, because they don't know which one I, like, I write for a paper in Concord, New Hampshire, but they think I write for a paper in Concord, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I don't really spend much time in either of those places, so I don't know. I don't even like steakhouses. I'm the worst person to answer all of these questions. Um, That's a lie. Um, all right. Question number one, why are you the worst? Question number two, do you have any plans to stop being the worst? I'm the worst because I ruin everything, mm-hmm. and I'm bad at Twitter. Uh, you know, like, you're always trying to get better, always trying to improve. So, okay. I can't promise I won't be the worst, but if I improve just enough, I could become the second worst. Hey, my friends, good morning. And that man is the worst right there, the one that we just heard. Okay, last one. Twitter's Eddie Andelman. <laughs> Real or fake? Fake. You think so? Uh, I, was, I was an Eddie Andelman is real. I was on Team Real for a long time, but very what recently. What do you mean by that? That he's, that he's a phony a or that he's not he's on that? I think, it's, I think it's a parody that was very well executed for a long time. And I think that so you're recently, saying he died years ago. I think that recently it's fallen off. Um, it's not as good as it used to be. Let's see. Let's read the last one. Red Sox bullpen last year, as opposed to this year, means disaster. All caps. Wake up and realize the bullpen is now as important as starters. That was a little too cogent, in my opinion. I need a little bit more crazy. I mean, what's your? You, you think that? I, I guess I can see where you're where you're going with this. So your contention is that at some point he jumped the shark. Yeah, they used to be so good. And then there was one recently where it was like it had too many misspellings and too many. Um, it was it was following too much of a pattern, and I was like, I think I finally am, am willing to admit that this is not a real account. Um, one of the things that makes this difficult is that one of at least one of maybe both of Eddie's sons follow that Twitter account. Oh, maybe the sons don't even know. Well, maybe they're in on it. Maybe they appreciate the joke. I don't know, but but that's where I am with it. Any uh, any final thoughts to leave us with? Anything that you want to plug? I know that you that you have written some awesome, hilarious. If anybody hasn't read them, uh, hilarious columns. <laughs> yeah, 
They actually are. Shut up, Ziegler. They actually are pretty funny. Like the the, the satire that you were doing throughout was fun, was was just hilarious in my opinion. Especially the I, I like the the Trump one. That so many people took that Trump one serious about how you know if you're a Pats fan, I took it serious first time I read it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you got you got DEC. Is that that? that I got all of you got me. He could, he, did you see it? So this guy's a dick. Did you find it through Scott Zolak? No, I just was doing a little research okay. on you. Oh, we oh, do a whole okay, dossier okay. on our guests. Right. Because Scott Zolak tweeted an angry, like, like, hey, Trump won the election. Deal with it. Kind of thing. I don't about. think Scott Zolak is a particularly smart individual. Because <laughs> this is coming from a and guy that, like, DEC, you, you were fooled yourself. Yeah, I was fooled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't well, say I was smart. I'm just also saying that Zolak is a moron. Ah, I see. Um, that I takes one yeah. to no one. Is that where we are sure. with this? Okay. So... So I, I get that tweet from Zolak, and all of a sudden, everything goes insane. Mm-hmm. Like, every, now no one's reading the story. The Everyone's headline. just headline. dumping on me. This is the day of the Super Bowl. And I'm like, what the hell? What? Why? And I, I got um, somebody to reach out to Zolak and tell him, and he, like, wrote a thing where he's like, oh, I didn't realize. I, I stopped reading after the first paragraph. I didn't realize it. But he didn't delete his original tweet. So people kept coming there, and it was just, it was. I was just getting pounded. Where, um, let's use your brain for a second. Who, I know you guys have very small IQs. For people who largely like the, the idea of, okay, um, you know, the Patriots are. You should root against the Patriots because a couple of people there supported Donald Trump is ridiculous. I mean, God, it's you a, people are so stupid. It's a team of 50-some people who all have different ideas. That was kind of my point, and I think everybody who was arguing with me agreed with me mm-hmm. on that point. So, you know, that's a weird situation to be in when you're getting yelled at by people who agree with you. So, so where can we, if, if people want to read and learn more about you, where can they, re- where can they find sure. your writing? Uh, you can go to the Concord Monitor website. Uh, the Patriots blog on the Monitor has uh, all the stories I've done. Anything that, anything that you're currently working on now that you want to tease for, for people that are interested? Um, you know, planning some draft coverage, and, and we'll go from there. Give us, a, give us your draft prediction, because I know that you hate these draft gurus. Who are they taking first round? <laughs> Somebody told you I hate they, draft you gurus. Have, is is, Rosen, is uh, Rosen coming to New England? Five reasons why, from Dave Brown. I have to give you five? No, just give me one. Is he coming? Give me your opinion. If he comes, if he comes it's because they can get him cheap. So they're not giving the first because they need a tight end. No, no, not giving the first. But for Rosa, I don't think. Dave Brown, we appreciate you coming on, my friend. I appreciate you coming on and talking about these things. We'll chop this down to a nice, packageable podcast for everybody. Um, and thank you again. We appreciate you coming on. All right, thanks, thanks, John. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah, and uh, Dave, maybe you can give me some legal advice. Um, I've got a legal question about uh, some raw sewage in my basement that I think is giving me like health problems. Um, so maybe you can give me your, your legal opinion on how I can sue my landlord. That, that sounds like a plumbing advice question. I might also have some questions about if I know somebody who is going to, say, kids' movies and drinking beer, should I be concerned? And when should I call the police? <laughs> I was invited on... I know you were invited on MNC. And I did, but, and, yeah. Once, but I didn't yeah. go on. It did, it did, we, we couldn't work it out. Um... And it was purely just, uh, they, they emailed me while I was sleeping after a Patriot. They emailed me at like four in the morning while I was sleeping. <laughs> and I woke up at like 10 and was like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I missed it. You know, if we can reschedule, we'll do it. And they said, we'll try to reschedule and it never worked out. 
That was M and C, not K and C. No, this was K and C. Oh this no, was no. K and C. That was oh, it's K and C. That's a different. I'm style. not with all the lingo, but I think <laughs> I think K and C is Kirk and Callahan, right. right? So yeah, was it? The it was right after was the, the switch. Show? It was in 2016. It was like right after. Oh, okay. It was right. It was the week after the election. Oh, that's well. See, they were moving on to all of the the Trump hysteria and all that shit. So. We should. I feel like we should have like we, this was some good banter. I feel like we should keep that. Do you want to just like do a little intro to Dave, and we can just continue to roll here, DC? 